McDonald's se está transformando en el mundo anime de McDonald's y te trae la nueva savory chili McDonald's sauce. Los mejores sabores se unen en esta legendaria salsa para que tus 10-piece chicken wackduggets, papitas y Sprite se conviertan en un meal ultra poderoso. Desbloquea un manga con tu meal y disfruta de un corto de anime cada semana. Solo en McDonald's. Badabababa, go! En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias. Hola cariño. Hola amor. Y bienvenidos a Uy, qué horror. That next horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hello. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Muy bien. Um, there's so much to talk about already in the beginning of this episode. Yeah. So let's just get right into it. First of all, we want to let you guys know that today, this day that we are in right now, which is... What day is it today? I have no idea. Today on the 20th of February, it is President's Day, mm. I guess. Oh, great. All right. <laughs> But it is the day that we are launching our Patreon. Holy shit. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What is it? What's the thing? No sabemos que estamos haciendo, ¿verdad? I was about to say, I was about to be like, yay, I'm so glad we have a Patreon. What? What did we do? What are we, what's we it, don't know what's what it we're for? doing. <laughs> Mira, the only thing the Patreon has as of today, if mm -hmm. you go click on it and see what's up, we only have the one tier. And uh, if you choose to join, which will just be a dollar, um, you're going to be supporting our spooky pendejas. And, you know, if ever we need to, like, rent a movie, you'd be contributing to that or Love any that. of any other thing, maybe a coffee for ourselves in the morning morning if we have an early record who knows but also you would be earning a deep gratitude from us for just being lovely supportive list listeners yeah. and also at the end of the month we're gonna have a little graphic that we'll post up on our social media where we'll put your name there saying thank you so uh that's the for now it's the only tier we're offering but we do have more tiers coming soon like johnny and i have ideas in the bank that we want to work on once grandma and grandpa are like how does this thing work what does this whole thing do I, streaming Streamyard? <laughs> twitch what's happening so uh, we're gonna no. try and do some bonus episodes maybe some video content too for you guys yeah. to see so more tears coming soon but in the meantime Let us know what kind of stuff you want to see in those tiers. Do you want us uh, more horror stuff, more Latino stuff in general things? Uh, we'll talk about, you know, any random shit you want us to talk. If you put Eileen and I in a room together, you tell us to talk, to talk about something. We'll talk about it. It will not be a problem. So <laughs> we got it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got it. Yeah. So join our Patreon. We thank you so much if you do. And more on this coming soon. Uh, so we appreciate you contributing and being lovely Uyquero listeners. Yeah. Muchísimas gracias. We're excited to share more. Pendejadas. Sí, pendejadas. Pendejadas. Yep. <laughs> 
Well, having said that, from the the depths of our email oh, catalog, yes, yes, we've yes, yes. received a lovely message. So Chloe, who I believe also met, spoke about a historia del oculto, is that correct? Yo creo que sí. So Chloe sent us just an email to be like, "Hey, you fucking doofuses dinguses <laughs> that's not true that's not true she was very no, very absolutely sweet not she was very polite and lovely so just to take it back to blood red ox for a moment because that is still a movie that you know what's interesting is that was a bit ago and i it still pops up in my head and i'm like Dude. it's almost like i want to give it a rewatch just to be like just what is yeah the just deal? to like really get in there <laughs> but so chloe brought up that she thinks the Minotaur slash bull man, which we, which is what we <laughs> called this person, is supposed to be like the Greek myth of the Minotaur and the labyrinth. So it just says here, Chloe says, the myth is about a labyrinth that holds the Minotaur out of punishment for being born. And people are put into the labyrinth where they will get lost in the maze and eventually eaten by the Minotaur. Minotaur? Minotaur. Minotauro. Um, I look. <laughs> <laughs> I took this in the movie as the people with schizophrenia getting lost within their own minds like a mm -hmm. maze because they have a difficult time knowing what's real or not. And I was just like, oh my gosh, absolutely brilliant. I'm. I love this. Are you, did you go to Yale? Uh, did you get a degree at Oxford, Oxford University? I believe Chloe did. <laughs> She also has a book recommendation in the same vein as the movies. So she includes here The Atrocities by Jeremy C. Ship is a novella about a woman who has schizophrenia and goes to tutor a girl at a large manor, only to soon discover when she arrives that the girl is dead. But the parents <gasps> still want her to stay and tutor their departed daughter, which is apparently a quick read. So, you know, nice. uh, read I'll, a book, you dorks. I always Come love, on. A, you know, a reading recommendation because I definitely should be doing more of that. So I just wanted to shout out Chloe, say thank you. This is so lovely to, uh, you know, <laughs> this is the perfect way to do this, to be like, let me offer something. It could be. <laughs> You know, because I really appreciate it. So so do I. And it really does make a lot of sense. So thank you, Chloe, for being brilliant. We appreciate all you brilliant, wet brains out there. Yeah, not dry, arid deserts <laughs> like ours. No. Not just rocks in our skulls. We have to be nicer to ourselves. Yeah, we really, really do. This is this is not good for our psyches. We are very intelligent in other in in different ways we are you know what i will say right now this movie that we fucking talk about today that we're about to talk about mm -hmm. i got everything i was like oh my so god did cool. I. so <laughs> let's talk about this movie <laughs> great segue because today it's my pick and i came i came up with this movie incredibly randomly i'm uh, still dog sitting at my friend's house because She's having some medical problems in her family, but I'm happy to be here with her little doggy and uh, little doggy. Ramona's humongous, uh, <laughs> but She's we gangly. we have been very gangly. We've been snuggling and watching a lot of YouTube, which is usually I do anyways, just on my own. So it's nice to have a partner. And I decided to like do some back scrolling in uh the dead meat catalog mm -hmm. because i Always love me delight. some james a janice yeah 
And I was like, oh, the Belco experiment. I haven't seen this in a long time. So I clicked on the Belco experiment. And the first thing he says is like, we open in Bogota, Colombia. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. And then I watched a little bit more and I was like, that's a Latina actress and that's a Latina actress and that's a Latino actress. And I said, listen, this lands under our umbrella. So I think I'm going to do the Belco experiment. So here we are. So before we jump into the Belco experiment, please, please, please remember to subscribe, rate and review. Just, you know, right now, click on your phone. Bam. Type something nice if you want. Click a, a five star if you're interested. Yeah. Whatever you want. And subscribe too. And uh, let me give you basically this title in our Latin American countries because it's a yep. it's a movie in English. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to translate it. Fab. It's for our titulos de terror. Now in Brazil, this movie has two titles. Gia de Trabalho Mortal which is day of the mortal work day. That is <laughs> the mortal so work day. literal. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or o experimento belco, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then I thought it was really interesting that all the Spanish speaking countries just call it the belco experiment. Oh, interesting. Okay. I wow. know. Surprise. You know, you know what, uh, what also I was interested to when you're like, oh, we're going to do the Belco experiment is that sometimes movies will be like, oh, yeah, it's set in Bogota, Colombia, but it's not actually filmed there. But this was this one very actually much was. filmed in Colombia. So see si. why the hell not? So now that we've done our titulos de terror, Johnny, how about a synopsis for the Belco experiment? Fabulous. So, OK, here we go. This synopsis is from IMDb. In a twisted social experiment, 80 Americans are locked in their high-rise corporate office in Bogotá, Colombia, and ordered by an unknown voice coming from the company's intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's the end. That's <laughs> go- Thank you for listening, everybody. Tune in next <laughs> week. Good night. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Okay, so the Belco experiment came out in 2016. It is written by now president of fucking DC Comics at WB, James Gunn, and uh, directed by Wolf Creek director Greg McLean. I had forgotten about that, that it was great because I've had you seen this before. I've never seen Belko Experiment before. Okay, I had seen it before and forgot that it was Greg McLean who directed it and Wolf Creek. Fucked me up. Really? Ooh. Never seen Wolf Creek. <gasps> it is uh, bleak. Anyway, so I was Dan like. Dan Enda, right? Yo, Dan Enda, yeah. And so <laughs> I uh, I was like, damn, I don't remember Belko Experiment, even though I had seen it. So I was like, oh, shit. Well, here we go. Anyway, yeah. let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Belko Experiment. We open with a shot of Bogota, Colombia, and in a little intertitle it says Bogota, Colombia. We see the busy streets, people working in their little tienditas, a butcher shop with some meat being chopped, people buying chickens, you know, old men like eating little bites of que se yo que en su tienda, jugglers on. It just 
it felt wonderfully familiar seeing this scene. I was going to say, Jugglers on the Street is the most Latino thing you could ever see. Classic. Always performers on the street. Whenever there's a stoplight, they'll come in, they'll do some circus tumbling work, and then collect their coins. It's great. And along these lines and on these streets and uh, people and busyness, there is a long line of traffic and we see Mike Milch. This is our lead dude. Mm. And he sits in his car talking on the phone about some files, some like office chit chat. And he looks out of his window at some children playing on the street and they're all wearing like calavera masks. And one of them stares right back at him, very eerily and creepily. Definitely, we're establishing a vibe. Bad omen. Yes, yeah. correct. Now we see a huge gray building. And on the side at the top, it says its name, Belco Industries. It's heavily guarded. It's got armed dudes all over the place on its gates, outside of the gates. There's armed people everywhere. And outside of the gates, those same armed dudes are checking over all the cars that are lined up to go inside the gate to go into Belco. Like to the point where they have mirrors under the cars and everything checking for bombs and shit, which is very scary. One of the guards approaches a very frustrated Tony Goldwyn. Ghost. Hollywood royalty, literally from Ghost, but also kind of a horror legend for being in Jason Lives. Like, literally, first acting role ever (laughs) is that fucking movie, which is amazing. Is that true? That was his, that like introducing Tony Goldwyn, and he dies. Introducing Tony Goldwyn dies. Doesn't he die swiftly? Yes, he dies swiftly. And shockingly, like I I I just had to like look at Tony Goldwyn for a moment because he is so attractive. Oh and my God. The man is gorgeous. And I mean like still. He's 62 years old. In your tracks right now. I shan't. I shan't. So at this point, he was like solid 50. Well, this is 2016. That's like. And the man. No hace mucho. Right. Así. Ayer. And he, the man, I mean, those wavy, wavy, wavy curls of, not curls, but like, oh my God, the hair. Just like the skin, the bone structure, señor. Pero también, let's not play around. My dude is literally grandson to Samuel Goldwyn, who like owned, like. You are giving me all (laughs) the facts right now that I honestly, listen, judge me if you will, people. I did not know that. I remember watching Ghost as a kid, which I probably shouldn't have done. Terrified of him. He was so just very memorable in that movie among like, you're talking Whoopi, you're talking fucking Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. And I was still like, damn, this man. Wow, he's good. He's good. When he goes to, I mean, talk about just- goes. When he goes to the apartment to fucking talk <gasps> to Demi, dude. he is and has the knife behind him. Oh my god! His, oh my god! Oh my god! Dude, terrifying. Oh my god. And then when he takes his shirt off too, I was like, oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, that's not what we're talking talking about. about Tony Goldwyn. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, the beautiful Hollywood royalty golden boy, Tony Goldwyn, Mm -hmm. 
which by the way, I never refer to him in my notes as anything else other than Tony Goldwyn. My, in my notes, he's just ghost. It's just ghost. But Tony, just fuck ghost. It, it's Tony Goldwyn. Yeah. Tony Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn asks the guard that comes up to his car, what the fuck is going on here? But also, who the fuck are you, my dude? Where is Roberto or Ricardo or the guy that's usually here? And the guard is cold stone face and he's like give me your id which you can see in tony golden's face is he's very offended by it and he's Mm. like it's very don't you know who i am kind of vibe and we hear some arguing in spanish which tony turns to look behind outside of his car and he sees another guard telling one of the workers that he has to go home and he asks his own guard at his window he's like why is that happening but El Guard responds with, open the trunk, please. So we never find out at this moment. Fascinating that somebody's like, you need to go home. I would have been like, great. Bye. bye. Are you mean I get the day peleando. off? He's like, ¿y por qué? And I'm like, no, bitch. Not even like you're fired. Just like, hey, you need to go home today. Mm-hmm. Bueno, pues, adios. I'll take the day off. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Stop by the wine shop, get a bottle of Prosecco <laughs> Girl, and hang out. And sit on my ass all day. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) In another car, we see another Belco worker, and this is Leandra. And she is waiting in the same humongous line. She bumps her radio and we hear a Spanish version of I Will Survive playing, which plays now over our title card appearing and the credits rolling. Now, this song, I was like, this makes sense to me. I find it clever that it's in Spanish. And I was like, okay, well, we know what we're getting into in this movie. Okay, I will survive. Will you? Oh, uh-huh. I don't know. But there's a song choice later on in the film that I'm confused about, but which we'll get okay. to. Yes. And uh-huh. I, have a, I have a gripe about this already. Oh, okay. Porque, uh-huh. Also, I understand. Play, I will survive. Yes. Are we? Will we? Won't we? That's the whole point. Sure. Pero... Esta canción es cantada by an Españolísimo. You can it hear is. it. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Y segundo, my other gripe es que why didn't you do your research and know that Celia Cruz has done an I Will Survive cover, you Girl. motherfuckers? Ooh, you know what? Uh, yet again, something that... I I didn't consider this as an option here, but you know, that's just, this goes to show that this is a movie from the United States of America, baby. Exactly. Like, look, we're uh, sure it was filmed in Bogota, Colombia, which I feel like that in and of itself is a conversation that like Mm -hmm. me being Latino, I hear that. I'm like, y por qué? Uh Why specifically? Did you choose to film your movie here? You know, not uh, sure. I'm like, cool. That's great. Pero por qué? I don't think most people would catch that this version of I Will Survive is a Spain version. Mm -hmm. And like that feels to me very much like you didn't think about it too much when you picked the song. You you did think about it in terms of like what the song is. Lyrics. That's clever. Sure. But specifically like 
Like a Spain person? Okay. Especialmente because it, the song is flamenco style. There is like strong guitar vibes going on. Y la canción que la Celia Cruz canta, Celia Cruz version, is like like salsa. Like it feels more of this area. I hear your gripe. I feel your gripe. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So as this Espanolissimo song of I Will Survive plays, we see our co-workers arriving at the Belco Industry Building. And it's a lot of slow-mo smiling faces as they beep through security. We see the cafeteria and many cereal boxes presented there. We also see the one of the cafeteria workers smoking weed in the bathroom. And this is Sean Gunn. Classic James Gunn. Uh, I mean, even though James Gunn didn't direct it, there's a lot of James Gunn people in this movie, yeah. including his brother, Sean Gunn. People are fist bumping in their offices. Cleaning ladies are changing in their locker rooms. We see copiers typing office shit. You know what I mean? And then we see some security footage in a dark room. So, this security footage that we see is not doesn't seem to be in this building. It's like in a dark room and we see a switchboard and three men facing away from us like shadowy figures sitting in front of all these TVs and this switchboard watching the employees arrive at the building. Now we see Danny. She's a new worker. She is at HR and she's talking to Vince from HR and he's giving her all the Belco perks. He's like, oh, my God, here's your company ID. You get a company credit card, a company phone, a company car and a company apartment like they're like, welcome. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, you know, like why people would be drawn to to do kind of work like this. It's like, we will absolutely set you up with everything and anything you need. And come, to, Vince, come to Colombia, you know? Yeah. And Vince even says that Belco wants their homespun employees to really like have the, this drive to be here and work and stuff like that. Mm. And then Vince also asks her if she saw the doctor yesterday and she touches the back of her head and says, for the tracer, you mean? And uh, Vince says, yeah, you know, there's a lot of kidnappings in Colombia, especially for with companies like this one. And the tracer is just, it'll be, if it happens, we'll be able to find you faster and never, you'll never be in danger. And he assures her that, the transition will be easy. And if, you know, if she has any questions at all or about her new job and her first day, come to him or to his assistant, Razia. I'm sorry. No, no, you're not putting a tracer in my head. Not for a second. Bitch. No, I'm no, there's just absolutely no way. The moment they're like apartment, car, esto, y esto, y esto. great. I love it all. And also we're going to put a tracer into your head. No, thank you, you. There's no fucking way. Even uh, that that um line of like kidnappings, which I feel like is uh-huh. a loaded thing in and of itself. You uh-huh. know, uh, 
I was like, okay, I see you're like what you're trying to like. That's your reasoning behind it, but absolutely not. Absolutely not. No fucking way. No way. No. Now we're in the bustling office and all the cubicles and things that offices have to offer. We hear a man on the <laughs> phone and he's speaking in German or Dutch, I think. That oh. my cap my caption said German, but I read in the trivia that it was Dutch, so I don't fucking know. Whatever. Another language. <laughs> <laughs> and then he repeats it in English saying Belco is a nonprofit organization, which I was like, this is nonprofit. You're giving out cars and and fucking apartments and shit, and this is nonprofit, mm, my guy. Yeah, this Damn, is okay. shady, shady mm-hmm. shenanigans. Belco is a nonprofit organization that facilitates American companies in South America in the hiring of American workers, and that just I was like, okay. You know, it's just it's interesting. Like, uh, I. That line, too, I was just like, hmm, because listen, it feels like very much like, how can we use this country and kind of like, you know, it's like it might be cheaper or like, you know, it'll just be easier. The rules right. aren't, weren't, aren't as like aren't as, you know, strict or whatever. So, uh-huh. you know, it's just more loosey goosey, which I think is why it's just like, Ugh, yeah, it's nah. it's weird. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. We see Leandra from the top at her computer and she's being ogled by the doctor from Scrubs. If you guys are scrub heads out there, yeah. I am definitely so, not. But I no, know that no. he is a, a person from Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy is Wendell Dukes. He is unabashedly shamelessly staring at her Oof. and she sends him a message through the work messaging system. And she's like, hey. Stop fucking staring at me, my dude. Fuck off. And he responds with an LOL, sorry, and laughs at her. And it's like, ew, gross. Oh, uh, like terrifying. How do you, how do you, when, when you're literally being like, please stop. And somebody's like, LOL. Ooh, yeah, that's scary. It's, that's very scary and uncomfortable. And just as this is happening into Leandra's office comes Mike from the top and they flirt and giggle as she closes her blinds to the ogler Wendell, who's now noticeably upset that Mike is in her office. Mm. And once those blinds are closed, listen, we're making out. We're kissing. And here's the thing. Leandra is beautiful. Oh, Oh my God. gorgeous stunner and sorry to this man but mike is just a regular you know it's interesting you say that because i like i don't know what it is but i was like god damn this man is cute as fuck i don't know what it is about him so these two are kissing behind the the blinds but they're interrupted by tony goldwyn who's like oh these kids these the youth kids these days kids these days and off he goes to his big man glass office. In her new cubicle, Danny meets her very intense manager type woman uh, with a terrible haircut. <gasps> Esta mujer, Ooh. mira, tiene como dos líneas. This woman has like two lines, pero I will never forget her because of that fucking haircut. I feel like it's three haircuts in one. I'm just like, wh- how do I make sense of it? 
it's helmet, but like weird bangs, pero también like. I was going to say bowl cut, pero not. Yeah, no, it's such a weird haircut, dude. It's so bad. It works perfectly for this like character, though. Like, yeah. you're just like, I can tell who you are by your like, fucking mad. Like, yeah. this haircut is madness. It's insane. Porque la cara es bella. Ella, bella. La mujer es linda, mm -hmm. pero el pelo es un desastre. Okay. <laughs> pero, like, orderly desastre. You know <laughs> yes, what I mean? exactly. <laughs> like, just bien yeah. contenido, pero desastre. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, she this woman is demands some PowerPoint files or, you know, computer tasks office of office shit uh, in two hours. And Danny is like, oh, yeah, sure. Got it. Where she also meets her new cubicle mates, Roberto and Leota, who are young and fun and sassy. And mm -hmm. Roberto, I think, maybe a gay character. The fact that they try to make this character. I think he says, like, honey at one point. Yeah, he's and like, like in oh, the back, what, bitch? Yeah, in the back gives, like, a little bit of, like, a limpress thing. I was like, oh. And also, I'm just, spoiler for my trivia, the man is married to a woman. So I was like, this was... An unnecessary choice, y'all. But oh, sure, whatever. Why it's not? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Across from Danny, a coworker, another coworker, gives her like the eyes, like some flirty eyes, and Roberto and Leota pick up on that, and they're like, "Ooh, he's cute, ain't he? Don't you want to go and talk to him?" And Danny's like, mm, "Too normal for me." And Roberto says what I think may be the the thesis statement of this film, which is. Normal people don't work at Belco. I will say, like, I feel like those kind of ideas, like that line sh holds weight, but it should hold more in Agreed. terms of like, why were people like, why specifically were you fucking weirdos picked for this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. In another area of the office, we meet Peggy, who's a more like middle aged woman, like 50 and flirty kind of lady. And uh... OK, first of all, uh, uh, Jason, one of the fucking final Friday, the 13th movie she's in it. She is like one of those actresses that is yeah. just in everything. And she's fabulous. I believe her name is Rusty. I'm pretty sure her uh -huh. name is Rusty. I her don't remember her last Rusty. name. She's also a redhead. So that's oh, amazing. Incredible. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am, that I don't remember her last name. But she is fabulous and i love her yes she's very cool mm -hmm. and she's there chatting with keith who's a nerd <laughs> and they are oddly like flirting over yeah. an ant farm like i literally wrote are these two gonna fuck like it was there was this energy yeah, between them it's weird so while these two are chit-chatting, Mike is here now and he's talking to a British fella, Terry. And Mike is like, hey, dude, where is everybody? And Terry's like, I don't know. They sent all the locals home this morning. Mm. Uh, and then I was like, oh, remember the line where the guy was sent home mm -hmm, by the guard? Mm -hmm. So now in his own office, Mike looks out the window and he sees one of the armed guards going into an aircraft hangar that like happens to be outside of this building and he picks up the phone and he calls down to security downstairs in the lobby and he talks to evan the main security guy and he asks who sent home the colombian nationals and evan explains that he got an email from central saying that there was some kind of security concern 
So then Mike asks about these new guards and Evan says that he also doesn't know about these new guards, but they're not very friendly. And some of them have some big ass dogs that he isn't cool with. And Mike then asks him if he has any idea of why they would be going into that old hangar next door. Hmm. And Evan is like, I don't really know. Cuando de repente the PA system screeches on. And an ominous voice says, all employees, no matter what you're doing, please stop and give me your full attention. There are currently 80 of you in the building and all the people that we've met so far, we see them like all looking around, like checking in with each other, being like, what? And the intrusive, <laughs> that fucking intense haircut lady even mm-hmm. starts shushing everybody because she's... Oh. Really good at her job. (laughs) And uh, the voice continues, in eight hours, most of you will be dead. Your chance of survival increases by following my orders and excelling at the tasks I place before you. Your first task is this. Murder any two of your fellow employees within the next half hour. All the while, these employees throughout the building are, like, giving mixed reactions. Some are confused. Mm -hmm. Some think it's funny and maybe a joke. Some are slightly concerned. And then the voice continues. How they are killed or how they are chosen to be killed is of no consequence. But if there are not two dead bodies in the building within 30 minutes, you will face repercussions. So we see Vince from a- HR uh, go to the intercom room to like see who the fuck is saying all this. And when he goes inside, there's no one there. Hmm. Where is this voice coming from? This is really, it's a really, really scary idea. And I get it. Like we're giving battle Royale fucking yeah. hunger games mm-hmm. vibes here with like a, with like a splash of cabin in the woods. You know what I mean? You're being watched like these things are happening. It must happen. But like even you just reciting that, I was like, this is genuinely scary. It's very creepy. So over on Tony Goldwyn's floor, they discover their lines are dead, like their phone lines. And one or or two people are starting to like kind of panic and freak out. And over in Mike's area, he suggests, hey, guys, let's all calmly evacuate and Keith, the nerd, is like, dude, it's a fucking joke. Like, who? What? No. And Mike is like, I agree. But just in case, yeah. let's maybe get out of here, which Honestly, I would yes. be like, yes, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> so over in Danny's cubicle area, nobody is really giving a shit. Leota even jokes, we're all going to die. And Danny oh, is like, uh, I don't know, y'all. I, this is my first day. I just, I just got here. I I haven't even gone to my new apartment that this company has given me. So can't wait to see my new car. Yeah, I'm going to get out of here. So she gets up and gets out of this area downstairs at security in the lobby. Evan and one other lady are like looking around concerned and the lady starts to panic and runs towards the door. Cuando de repente like this steel iron like roll-up doors like these shutters come up all around them and suddenly floor by floor 
all the windows are shuttered closed with this like metal business going on. This was really cool. It's just like from floor one all the way to the top, like bang, 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 just like slamming shut. And what are you going to do? You don't know what's going on. Like to, to run doesn't seem like the right option because you don't know what the fuck is going on. But I also just got to mention this woman down in the lobby who literally just arrived. I'm like, honey, walked in and was like, what the fuck? Five minutes ago, she was like, oh, no, I'm running late. I just let me hurry. And I'm like, oh, my God, your timing couldn't have been worse, honey. But here you are. You're <laughs> here stuck. You are now in this <laughs> shuttered fucking building. So Mike at, turns to Terry, the British guy, and asks if he's like trying the police. But Terry on his cell phone doesn't have any signals. So that's another bad news. Nope. So now in the lobby, a, a few of the employees have gathered because, you know, everybody's getting kind of panicky and everyone is screaming questions at poor Evan, the security guy, who is like, I have no idea, dude, what's going on? I'm just as blank as you guys. And then up from the basement slash uh, boiler room, Freddie, comes the (laughs) maintenance men, Bud, who's played by a James Gunn fave, Michael Rooker, classic. Classic. And so this is Bud. And then we also have Lonnie, who is another James Gunn fave and also played Polka Dot Man in Suicide Squad. The second Mm -hmm. one, the better one, in my opinion. Don't come at me. Uh, (laughs) David Dast Malchian. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I'm pronouncing that right. But this he plays Lonnie. Mm -hmm. So they check in with Mike and Terry, who are like, dude, what can we fucking do about this? And Bud is like, I don't know, maybe we can blow torch this weird like metal thing, but we're not really sure how thick this metal is. Yeah. And it's also surrounding the entire building. But I guess we have to take a shot with a blow torch and see yeah. what happens. While this t- blow torch thing is happening, another group of employees decides to go up to the roof, including Keith, the nerd, and just to see if they maybe could get some attention from people. Meanwhile, Tony Goldwyn is piping up and he's like, hey, guys, I'm Barry Norris, the COO at this Belco industry building. Uh, And he's like, you know, this does feel strange, but let's not panic. There's got to be a rational reason why this is happening. This is a government building. So it makes sense that these metal walls are coming up because they're probably here in case of a military event. And maybe somebody discovered this feature and they're like joking around or like playing around and are using it to upset us. So let's remain calm. I'll figure it out and I'll circle back to you. I'll CC all of you reply all just like office jargon. Right. Mm hmm. Now on the roof, Keith, Danny, Leota, and Roberto discover three of the cafeteria crew up there, and they're smoking weed and basically not taking the voice seriously at all. Right. In the lobby, Bud and Lonnie have their blowtorch, and they are trying to fucking do something with that metal, and it is not doing a damn thing. Lonnie literally touches it, and he's like, it's not even fucking hot. So Mike approaches Tony Goldwyn with Leandra and he says that he thinks that they shut off the air conditioning, which is Mm. also concerning. Yeah. 
And honestly, he doesn't think that it's a prank. He says he thinks that the hangar out back is where everything is all set up. But Tony Goldwyn isn't really taking him seriously. He says, like, this kind of thing makes people panic. And maybe Mike is just one of those people that panics. And that's what's happening. It's like pretty condescending and shitty. And he's like, grab yourself a bottle of water from the cafeteria. And it's like, okay, Tony Goldwyn. It's on Belco Industries. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. You. Yeah. Back on the roof, the employees are trying to get attention from one of the security guards that are at the gate. But he just this security guard literally has un cafecito and he is like staring at them while he drinks his cafecito. He is like, "Uh uh-huh. I don't think so, honey. (laughs) I'm sorry. One of my top three favorite moments of this movie is this security, (laughs) like with his helmet still on. just Glasses, helmet, full Taking a sip of my coffee. Couldn't be the coolest cucumber just sip, yeah, sipping on that cafe. bothered no, at all. Unbothered. No. All the while, the stoner cafeteria crew that's up there also is like, guys, didn't you read the shit that you signed when you joined this job? You basically gave over all your rights to them and they can do whatever they want to us. This is a psychological test. They want to see how we'll react. Look at me, man says Sean Gunn. He's like the head stoner cafeteria yeah. dude. Look at me, man. I'm chill as fuck, man. They're the ones that are going to lose, man. You know, man. Yeah, Whatever, man. 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 Cuando de repente bangang. The cafeteria lady that's standing like right next to him, her head explodes. Brains all over brother yo brinque like my head oh. in the ceiling i was like whoa, whoa 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 whoa, what the fuck like i said i've seen this movie before but it had been a, a while ago so i didn't remember but this moment i was like somebody's gonna get shot i was like something's happening uh sean sean gun sean gun sean gun yeah sean gun is gonna his brains are brains are gonna get blown out by somebody and even i was like something feels weird something's coming i still jumped to the Bing. ceiling God damn, yeah. scare the shit out of totally. me. McDonald's se está transformando en el mundo anime de McDonald's y te trae la nueva savory chili McDonald's sauce. Los mejores sabores se unen en esta legendaria salsa para que tus 10-piece chicken McDuggets, papitas y Sprite se conviertan en un meal ultra poderoso. Desbloquea un manga con tu meal y disfruta de un corto de anime cada semana. Solo en McDonald's. Badabababa, go! En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias. Downstairs in the lobby, bam, somebody else's head fucking explodes. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And somebody screams, they're shooting when mass hysteria ensues. People are running everywhere, hiding behind chairs and plants, pero las cabezas explotando here and there everywhere. They are popping like balloons. Y Tony Goldwyn goes over to one of the bodies to examine, like, one of the exploded heads. Great looking oh. prosthetic here. Look great. Oh, my God. It looks so good. And this was another thing. I th- For some reason in my brain, I had told myself I didn't like this movie the first time I saw it because it was full of CGI. But it's not. No. Like, most of this is practical. I'm going to say the majority is practical effects. And this busted b- head is disgusting. It looks so good. And like from different 
angles too we get like a yeah. full-on shot of the hole in the head Whoa. which is yeah. horrible yeah but then we get another one from like the side where you just see like the flaps open Ooh. it's so horrible yeah they literally like touch a flap at one point and i'm like don't fucking touch that <laughs> i don't know why in my head i thought this was all cgi but it is no i give these practical effects wow i i applaud you because you nailed nailed so Tony Goldwyn with his pen is like fingering this fucking dude's <gasps> hole in his head. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he basically says, this isn't a fucking bullet hole, dude. Mm. Like his head exploded from the inside. Ugh. And Mike immediately grabs the back of his head and he's like, shit, it's the tags, the tracers. Every one of us has it because it's for insurance is what he says. Mm. And then he's like, but what if they rigged them for them to explode? And that's why the locals were sent home because they don't have them. So, like, I love that the American people are the ones that are traced in case wow. they're like kidnapped and stuff. Pero los colombianos no lo tienen. I must say now. I don't know what actually happened to the Colombianos in this movie. Who knows? Yeah, we never know. You, you never find out. But I do. Sorry, everybody. But I'm like, <laughs> I appreciate that the Colombianos were like, just go home, chill. Yeah. But but it's like, but the Americans are like, I mean, the the you know United States people are like, well, sorry, sorry, you're, you're gonna you're get fucked. it. That's yeah. it. So Mike runs over to the cafeteria to try and find something and he grabs a random box cutter that's there and he runs into the bathroom. Ugh. He opens the blade and cleans it under the sink and takes some strong breaths and then just starts slicing at the back of his head. <gasps> Outside, Leandra is like pounding on the bathroom door being like, Mike, Mike, what the fuck is going on you there? And then suddenly the PA voice comes on. Mike Milch, put down the knife or we will detonate the explosive. Oh we'll give you 10 seconds and they start to count down. And all the while, Mike is still cutting and then he stops cutting and he's just fingering the hole oh in his head. Everybody's God. fingering these heads, Fingering dude. holes, fingering holes. <laughs> so he's fingering the shit out of that hole, searching for the fucking <laughs> tracer. <laughs> Five, four, three two and then he stops and he comes out of the bathroom and basically the entire office is like down there trying to see what the fuck is going on mm. so a little while later peggy the flirty 50 uh she is stitching up fucking mike's head as leandra Oof. goes over to get some ice from the fridge and she's followed by wendell oh who is like so what's up with that mike guy is he your boyfriend and then he says, okay. Oh, God. Obviously, your parents didn't have that conversation with you about mixed messages. Girl, what? Fuck you. Fuck when you. do parents sit down and be like, by the way, honey, let's talk about mixed messages. It's just like, but it's it's the the fucking conversation of like, this is your fault that I feel that that I feel this way, you know, like yeah. it's because of you. You did this. You're sending me. Fuck you. Ugh. This is it's so. I gotta incel I gotta, vibes. Oh, dude, totally. I gotta give it to this Scrubs dude. Is this Scrubs? No, this is not Scrubs. scrubs. This, is this is Scrubs. scrubs. This, is scrubs. this is Scrubs. I was like, 
he is very creepy. Very, very convincing creepy. at being yeah. a creep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because he's saying all of this with a smile. He's being Ew. friendly, quote unquote. Ugh. Yeah. And then he literally is like, I've clocked your looks and your flirtatious emails to me. And Leandra's like, literally comes right up to his face and she's like, fuck off, whore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say whore, but I wish you had. for effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Terry, the British guy, and Vince, the HR guy, find a bunch of tiny hidden cameras everywhere. And so they're like, they've been watching everything that we do. Who is they? Ooh. In the lobby, Tony Goldwyn is talking to Evan about his keys. He asks if they open the armory where the guards keep all their weapons. And does anybody else have any keys? And Evan is like, no. And Tony Goldwyn is like, I think I should hold on to these keys. And Evan is like, I don't think I can let you do that, dude. Like, no. And Tony Goldwyn is like, I'm your boss, Evan. And Evan is like, well, then I quit. And I'm not going to give these keys to anyone until someone gets me out of here. I love Evan Mm -hmm. so much. Me I too. loved this exchange. I mean, I hated this exchange because I was like, Tony Goldwyn, back the fuck up. Yeah. But the choice of Evan to be like, no, sir, that's not going to happen. And then being like, I quit. Yes. yes. So Ugh. good. I was like, fuck you. I loved this. Go, Evan. You're the best. Incredible. Yeah, hold on to them keys as long as you yeah, can, Don't give bud. them the fucking keys. No way. So now in the basement boiler room with Freddie, Danny is hiding <laughs> in between some pipes and tubes, it seems. She's found mm-hmm. a little hiding place, smart. Nope. And she hears Bud and Lonnie coming down into the area. And Lonnie is a nervous fucking wreck. And they're there to check the air con. And he keeps saying, they're trying to break us down, man. They broke the air con so that they can break us down so we can start killing each other. Y entra de nuevo el PA. I hope by now you realize we're not bluffing. This game is a real one. You can choose to follow or not, but either way, you'll be giving us the results we're looking for. You can keep doing as you please, but you must not dismantle more cameras or remove the tags from your bodies. And if you break any of these rules, your lives will end. There are 76 people left. It's 12.47 p.m. In two hours, 30 people must be dead. If in two hours, 30 people aren't dead, we will kill 60 people. Oh, my God. Begin. Bro, what? Like, I, it's, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is, it's just, I don't know why I, it's scary. It's just it's fucking terrifying. scary. It's just, and like, I don't know why it feels realistic to me. Like I, maybe because I'm like, I could see the U.S. government doing this. Maybe that's also, why. I I guess I'll speak for me. Sure. Of course. I have, um. I have a not a problem with authority, but I feel like I'm too subservient to authority. Like any like teachers, parents, like mira, 
when you're a little Latino kid, your mm. mom teaches you to respect your you fucking follow the elders rules. and your boss and all the things. Like, tenés que seguir las reglas. Mm -hmm. And there's something about the person that is a step above me that I am like, yes, anything you need, I will get to you. Like, I am not a contrarian in any way possible. So hearing this, somebody that is of authority being like, we have power over you. And not only are you going to do what we tell you to do, the thing we're telling you to do is to murder. And you're like, yeah. well, shit. I mean, I would like to think that I'd be like, everybody calm down. No, I think I would be a fucking disaster. Yeah, I would be. Uh, I would try my best to be like Danny and find yes. a fucking hole and just stay just there and hope for the best. Yeah. And hope they don't explode my brain. You know, exactly. But God damn. It's, Jeez. It, it, this is genuinely stressful. Yeah. And like us, the people that hear this on the PA start losing their fucking mind. They are freaking out. So Wendell and a very big bearded bub who, by the way, this big bearded bub guy, oh. Oh, love him to death. I'm obsessed with him because he is the voice of Dutch Vanderland and, uh, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption like he oh. Dutch Vanderland is a is like the villain of all villains in this mm -hmm. video game because he's the leader of the gang and he's got this deep rich beautiful voice which this man we hear it in the movie mm -hmm. but like when I saw him show up because obviously I'm a huge nerd for gaming things so I've googled all the things all the voices uh -huh. all the people so when I saw him appear, I was like, oh, my God, it's Dutch Vanderland. And I <laughs> freaked out over it. So gamer moment over. Wendell and I, I called him beer, big bearded bub because I Great. didn't hear a name. Yeah. So Wendell and beer, big bearded bub, they run to the cafeteria after this like PA announcement and they start rummaging through the through the kitchen and they're just grabbing all of the knives and people are freaking out, running for places to hide and losing their shit. People are fighting with Wendell and big bearded bub in the kitchen. They're like, what are you doing? What the hell? Our cafeteria stoner, fucking Sean Gunn, pulls the fire alarm, which at this point I'm like, okay, everybody's yelling. The alarm is going. It's yeah. too much noise. You know how I am. Mm -hmm. And then, but his reasoning behind it is like, it's hooked up to the fire department. They will get our signal and they'll come and they'll help us. And in the cafeteria where everybody's fucking screaming and fighting over Wendell and big bearded bub, Tony Goldwyn comes in and he yells at everybody to chill out. <laughs> but everybody's still like holding on to their knives. There's a lady holding on to a fork, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. And then a guy picks up a fucking rolling pin as is on yeah. his way out. I was like, yeah. guys, <laughs> Listen, anything, anything. Mike turns to Evan, who's there, and he's like, hey, dude, is the alarm set up with the fire department? And Evan is like, no, then please turn it off so we're not listening to this honking all the time. Downstairs, the alarm that has been beeping and a bopping is pushing Lonnie over the edge. My dude is already a paranoid, anxious baby. He is freaking out, and he's becoming paranoid over Bud, Michael Rooker, and... All the while, he's holding this giant, humongous wrench. It's just a big old wrench. Clue. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but Bud is like, it's okay, Lonnie. Don't worry about it. Just calm down. You're freaking out, man. It's just a fire alarm. And he goes to touch Lonnie's shoulder, but Lonnie reacts super quickly and smashes that wrench into Bud's head, leaving like a crater in his skull. Oh my God, this crater in his skull. I what I was really shocked. Shocked by this. So was I in like how cool it looked. It's not bloody. There's like a wound there, but the thing that's shocking is just the dent in his head. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you would see that and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. That is and it f- for you. That's it. And the fact that it's not bleeding for some yeah. reason for me is particularly like yeah. gruesome. And which I was like, this is a really good choice to not make it bleed. Yeah. Also, you know, surprising to me that we got Michael Rooker here, who to me is like a pretty big star. But this is three it, minutes sir. in this film. Yeah. yeah, this is it. Because and and we see him, he gets all confused and he's like, hold on. Uh, this line was heartbreaking to me. He goes, hold on. Something is happening. And then he <sighs> falls down dead. It's like the man has no reason anymore because his brains have been bashed in. Scrambled, yeah. Oh, this is horrible. so, yeah, it's horrible. And Lonnie immediately is horribly upset. Is He's already a mess. He's killed his friend. He's crying and apologizing to poor Bud. And he looks up and he sees that Danny has seen the whole thing her little secret spot was right there at the murder scene and she tries to run but he goes out and he grabs her and he's like he fell down i didn't do anything no it was an accident and she just tries to say oh i didn't see anything i didn't see anything but oh that doesn't matter because he's like shushing her all up in her face and he pushes her up to a pillar and he's smashing the wrench like right next to her face very threateningly very scary And she tries to squirm away and she like turns in his arms. Mm. So he still has her locked, but now her back is to his chest and she lifts her legs and she pushes them both using the pillar. And as they're falling back, Lonnie runs the back of his neck right into three like steel prongs, instantly killing him. Damn. And Danny is able to get away and runs to find another hiding spot. In the cafeteria, the employees and Tony Goldwyn are arguing. And basically, we walk into the conversation already in session. And Mike says, so basically, it sounds like you're saying you want us to kill innocent people. Mm. And Tony Goldwyn is like, listen, we just need to discuss all of our options. And shocking Mike entirely, Leandra says that Tony Goldwyn has a point. And Terry, the British guy, chimes in. He's like, if it's not 30, it's going to be 60. So we have to talk about our options. And Mike says that we don't have the right to take innocent lives. And you can't really think that they're going to let anybody live to talk about this. Like, this is... Literally the moment where the serial killer reveals his face because he knows you are dying and it doesn't matter if you see my face. It's that. Yes, absolutely. Which why to me, I was like, I am with Mike here because he's just like, how about we take murdering people 
off the table and mm-hmm. we fucking figure something else out. Mm-hmm. Like let's the, the those don't have to be our only options. I mean, clearly they do, everybody. Clearly they do. But <laughs> yeah. I I was like, fucking yes, listen to Mike. Like yeah. d- d- figure something else out. So Tony says, look, like it's true. What you're saying is like valid. Yes, we may not be able to live to tell the tale from here, but we still need to buy ourselves some time and leandra's like listen i have an idea let's go up to the roof and put up banners so that like when the cars go by they can know that we're in here (laughs) and tony is like "Uh, we're in a building in the middle of nowhere there's literally like farms all around us the 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 cars are 75 miles away from us they're not going to be able to see and even if they do see, they have to call the cops and the cops have to get here all within two hours. So that's it's either way we're fucked. And <laughs> he says, jerking off into a cup is a better idea. And I was like, OK, wow, geez. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and he says, 75 percent of us are going to die. And Vince, the HR guy, he pipes up and he's like, you know that some of us are going to fare better when this becomes a cage match. Basically saying that some of us aren't special forces trained to kill, which is mm. something new we learn from Tony Goldwyn. Yeah. And Mike finally says, listen, we have to work together. So let's at least try this banner situation. And in the meantime, while we're doing that, we can try and come up with something else. That special forces thing, I was like, that is interesting and goes to show more the inner workings of like why people were specifically picked for Uh this thing, you know? Yep. So most of the employees leave except for Tony, Wendell, and the big bearded bub. And as Terry, the British guy, is about to walk out, Tony Goldwyn stops him and he's like, hey, you have kids, right? Who are you beholden to? My wife and kids, they need me. And this isn't the time for timidity. So do you agree with me? And Terry is basically how I feel afraid of authority. And he's like, you're right. And also Mm. I do have a wife and kids. So he stays with this newly formed gang that we have of these Mm. guys. Mike and Leandra are collecting paint and spray paint and stuff. And Mike is obviously upset at Leandra for kind of agreeing with Tony Goldwyn being like circumstances shouldn't alter what is right and what is wrong. Like you're, you're not, you're just being an asshole basically. And while they're having this mini argument, Leandra notices that the blowtorch that Bud and Lonnie were using on the wall isn't there anymore. And we hear a torching sound. Mm. They head over to the armory where Tony, Wendell, and Terry are torching the lock. And Mike asks them, hey, (laughs) what are you doing? Hello. (laughs) And Tony Goldwyn says, listen, it's important that we keep these guns safe. You never know who's going to come in here and grab these guns. And Evan won't give me the fucking keys, so we got to torch it so that we make sure we know where these guns are. But Evan turns the knob in the gas tank, saying, Mike's right. We don't need any more weapons in here. 
And when Wendell goes to lunge at Evan, Evan pulls out his gun. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody chill. Mike has to like calm, calm him down. He's like, hey, Evan, I know you've had a hard day, but give me that gun, buddy. And he does. And Terry goes and turns the gas knob back on and the guys keep torching. Cuando blam, blam, blam. Mike shoots at this gas tank, fucking up the dude's plan. And Leandra and Mike and Evan all are like, okay, well, we're going to go now. Bye. They're about to go into the elevator when Tony Goldwyn menacingly says, that was a stupid fucking move. The tides are turning. Yes. First of all, ballsy to shoot at a fucking gas tank. I was like, whoa, you better not miss. Yeah, that shit could explode, bro. Are you kidding me? (laughs) But also, there was something here that actually from the Dead Meat uh, YouTube channel, because I also I watched the the Belko experiment, Dead Meat uh, kill count that he did, that James did. He mentioned something that I really agreed about, that Leandra's tone right here, she gets like her shift to being like, yeah, uh, fucking Tony Goldwyn is right. And like her attitude toward um fucking john gallagher jr was weird to me it felt like unearned and that felt like not the actress's fault but the fault of the you know the movie as a whole maybe like directorially no offense but i was just like things are unclear here yeah why she's treating john um what the fuck is john gallagher jr's name mitch mike why she's (laughs) treating mike like this doesn't make sense to me it's very uneven and like floppy. You're just like, she needs to have more of a stance, you know, she's like in, she's like here with this guy, like her man. And, and yet she's in not cahoots, but is like agreeing more with the other people's mentality. And so that feels conflicting. Yeah, the anger that she had toward fucking creepy scrubs Wendell Pierce before is this that that level of anger is the same anger that she is giving to Mike right now, which I was just like, this doesn't make sense. Pero I think that's a fault of the film, not the actress's fault. So anyway. So Mike, Leandra and Evan get upstairs where the other employees are making the banners and Mike warns them, hey, BT dubs, guys, Tony, Wendell and Terry. They're all working against against us. So be on the lookout. And once the banners are ready, they go upstairs to the roof to hang them and they unfurl it. And in English, in English, in English, we are being held hostage, bitch, honey. No, I could like, no, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, no, like this is stupid. Like, that's yeah. just, I'm so sorry. That's just And it's not, not even just the one. They it's show another two. one where <gasps> they spell the word hanger wrong. And I'm just uh, like, not only is it in English, you're misspelling the English. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, here boy. we are. These were our options. Yep. Not one of you speaks Spanish and you're in Colombia. Come on. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. This, this is what we're doing. Yeah. 
So they unfurl our English banner and the armed guards below start to shoot at them. And Keith, the nerd, gets shot in the hand and everything is going awry. And then the PA voice comes back on. Cease and desist or your brain is going to blow up, bitch. They don't say mm. it like that, but, <laughs> you know, basically. In Eileen terms, you know what we In mean. In my terms. <laughs> but Mike is so hell bent. He's like getting a little chaotic now and he keeps trying to hang the banner even though the co-workers are yelling at him and finally vince the hr guy has to like pull mike away from the side of the building and they all go down the stairs in the stairwell and leaving leandra to check on mike who's like sat down and like having like a mental breakdown and she says to him you can't save everyone, which I'm like, OK, so if this is your purpose, if you are going against your man here, Mike, you should have said this in the beginning. Like mm-hmm. that feels like a good leg to stand on when she's kind of agreeing with Tony Goldwyn and that we can only look out for ourselves. You can't save everybody like that's. That makes a little bit more sense, but I'm it's still rocky in that. I agree. Yeah, it's place, too much you know? this way, too much that way. To you know, Correcto. maybe they're trying to give us like, well, this is what some people might act like. They can't really like figure out what it is they want to do. But I found it confusing. And Mike says, "This job, what is it? This location in the middle of nowhere? That's never made sense to me. This building is designed for this purpose." We had these traces in our heads for over a year that maybe the government is the one that's doing this to them. They don't care about their work. We are hamsters on a treadmill. What if the only reason we've been here is for this kind of human experiment? And Leandra cannot accept this. She's like, nope, nope, that's impossible. It's impossible. No. By the way, do you feel better? Let's get out of the stairwell. And sweet Evan <laughs> has stayed behind and he's like, I just want to make sure those other fucking dudes didn't come here and hurt you, which is very nice and sweet. Mm-hmm. As the three of them are going down the stairs, bam, the door slams open and an extinguisher to the head, Mike's head from fucking Wendell. And he tumbles down the stairs unconscious. I jumped. Oh, totally scared the shit out of me. Wild. And it's the rest of the gang comes in, Tony Goldwyn, Wendell, everybody, and they corner Evan to give over the keys. And finally, Evan's like, you want these fucking keys? Then fine. And he throws the keys down the stairwell and stab. (laughs) Wendell stabs Evan right in the gut. I was really surprised by this. Me too. And upset because Evan, I loved Evan was great this character leandra is freaking out she's like what do i do what do i do what do i do holy shit and tony goldwyn is like she can't stay here so wendell reaches for her and she smacks his hand away get the fuck off me you pinhead pervert i was like do people really say pinhead please don't just let's not pinhead pervert hey Hey, you 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 pinhead pinhead. (laughs) i'm gonna start i'm gonna start bringing it back Hey, stop being a pinhead. Come on, you pinhead <laughs> pervert. 
and when Wendell hears Pinhead Pervert, he fucking lunges at her with a giant fucking cleaver to the Ooh, throat. Puta, puta, puta. Oh my God. And he's like, don't call me a, a pervert. pervert. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony is like, hey, Wendell, chill the fuck out. And Leandra's like, okay, I'm no dummy. I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going with you guys. And they leave Evan behind fully like dying and screaming. It's horrible. Ugh. And even Terry, British Terry, guiltily, because Terry this whole time is like, following them around but you can tell that he feels bad about it yeah. it's like bitch no then don't then don't yeah he like steps over evan's dying body and he's like i'm oh. sorry oh and then keeps going ass. down the stairs eat a dick yeah what <laughs> the fuck and when they get to the landing tony picks up the keys so now we're at the armory and tony is handing out guns to his little gang but he doesn't give out all the guns and big bearded bub is like, hey, what the fuck? Why don't why do you get to keep all the rest of them? And and I'm I I want you to maybe talk to me about this because I didn't quite understand this mini monologue. He says, because I'm the one that's going to do this. And Leandra's like, do what? And he says, there's too many guns. It doesn't make sense. He put them here. Our new God. Mm. What does this mean? And what does he mean by because I'm the one that's going to do this? He's the one that's going to. Does that mean from what's happening next when they. Yes, I believe so. We'll, oh, which we'll get into okay. in just a moment. And also, I just think it's a bad line. Like when he said our new God, I was like, that is fucking cheesy, y'all. Like, oh, like okay. capitalism. <laughs> uh, no, to me, I took it more literally because he kind of does like our new God. And he looks up. I think he means the voice over the intercom. Uh, okay. I could be wrong, but I think that's that what it was. Sense. And I was just like, that is so cheap. To let somebody should have cut that line. James Gunn. James Gunn. You know oh, better. God, yeah. <laughs> well, that is he, here's an observation about this that I, mm -hmm. you know, this was written by James Gunn, I believe was supposed to be directed by James Gunn, yes. but he did not direct it clearly. Greg McLean directed it. And I'm not saying Greg McLean is a bad director. Literally said earlier in this episode. Wolf Creek scared the fucking shit out of me. Yeah. I think Greg McLean did not land the correct tone. And I feel like this movie was supposed to have a more like dark comedy comedic element that doesn't land. It occasionally kind of does. But for the most part, it does not hit. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. James Gunn is has witty banter all the time. Oh, yeah. If you watch Peacemaker, which is the the John Cena show that's on HBO Max. Yeah. Ugh, fucking awesome. It is so good. John Cena is great in it. And the dialogue is just like quippy fast, fast. but yeah. like dark and and uh, there's fucking horrible shit that happens there. And so I agree. That's in this movie. That is written into this very movie that we're talking about right now, but it is not delivered just because like the 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 mood and the tone is not quite right. However, Doesn't I must match. say that's that's hard to do because we're literally like we're brutally murdering people here, like execution style. Like it's how I wouldn't fucking know how to hit that uh, tone. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's I'm just tough. saying it's it's apparent. 
So our new little gang separates to all the floors and they start basically threateningly collecting all the employees to go down to the lobby. In the basement boiler place, we see the cute guy that sat across Danny and he's in this gang now and he's wrangling up a bunch of the employees and he sees Danny hiding amongst the tubes, but he leaves her alone. He leaves her behind. Very Mm -hmm. lucky. Nice that you had a little flirty moment there, girl. Over in the stairwell, Mike wakes up and he finds Evan's dead body. And it's very sad. Just as Wendell is coming in and he's bringing his people down to the lobby. So he takes Mike with him and little by little, everyone like gathers in the lobby area. And Tony Goldwyn begins. He says to the people that have kids under the age of 18 to step forward. Oh, my God. And they all do. One of the cafeteria pals steps up and he's like, hey, I send money home to my little brother. (laughs) And Big Bearded Bub says, is your little brother made out of your sperm, cocksucker? And the dude is like, uh, no. And he's like, well, then get the fuck out of here. And it's very intense. And then Tony says, okay, this group of people, you please step over to the West Wall. And then he says, people that are over 60 step forward, and they do. And Terry steps up to Tony, and he's like, let's do a lottery maybe like let's do something else this feels weird that you're just like calling people out also i was like why are you bringing people that have kids under 18 wouldn't it be kids that are over 18 that are already like adults you're killing people that their kids need their parent maybe the idea was to separate them not to kill them or did they are they about to line up yeah because that makes no sense i don't i don't get it either crazy yeah But anyway, so Terry's like, come on, maybe something else. And then fucking Tony Goldwyn grabs his shoulder and says, don't you undermine me again. And it's like, Mm. oof, Jesus, Terry, Terry, Terry. So then Tony tells the people that this is the only choice we have. And in less than 20 minutes, they are going to kill 60 people in this room. So the next person that speaks up will unfortunately be getting a bullet in their fucking head. So he counts the people that he's just lined up and it's not enough. So now Tony Goldwyn just starts picking people out of the crowd. One guy tries to fight and he's like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want He's screaming and yelling. And Wendell just fucking almost empties the gun into this guy killing him. Everybody's screaming, freaking out. Tony points at fucking Peggy, flirty flirty over 50, and then he points at Mike. Meanwhile, in the basement, Danny has come out of her little spot, and she's found a stairwell. Okay. Back upstairs, Tony tells everybody to shut the fuck up and somebody turn on some music or something. So they turn on the radio and a Spanish version of California Dreaming starts playing. Yeah, this is what I was asking about. I was like, but why here? I don't get it. So, Like, if y'all have some... Uh, yeah, why would they sing California Dreaming in Spanish this? in this? Yeah. If anybody has any, like, thoughts Girl. on that, 
I, yeah, let I, us let I us know, know what what the California dreaming might mean, or if it's just this is just. Wouldn't it be funny to put us English song in Spanish over this? Yeah, over this particular horrible section. Yeah. So the song plays, and Tony starts going down the line. Bam, five. Bam, six. Bam. Seven, like these are all the people he is fucking killing, and Wendell is counting them down so that they know Ugh. how many they have. You know what I just thought? Um, just real quick on California Dreamin'. Maybe this is—I mean, who knows? But this scene really, like, okay, we live in very, very gun happy the United States of America. Very, we love guns. And this scene was a lot to watch yeah, this was tough. really tough to see it's executions Maybe it's execution it's full execution of innocent people yeah and um you know so just be warned if you if you're gonna watch this fucking movie. Pero mm-hmm. pero también maybe the choice of uh, California Dreamin' was just like it was a commentary on the fact that we are so fucking gun happy. Maybe puede ser puede ser I don't know it's a possibility. Who knows So from the stairwell door, Danny peeks out her head. No one sees her, but she sees this execution line, basically. Tony screams to make the music louder so that he doesn't have to hear people begging for their lives. Because here's the thing. Tony isn't in on this. Tony is also someone who is afraid for his life. Mm -hmm. He's trying to do he's selfishly trying to survive uh but you know when we see his faces he's shooting these people there is no joy there there's not like he's upset about it so he's like put the music louder so i don't have to hear these people screaming for their lives and danny is like holy shit and he she runs back downstairs and starts looking for something More shooting. Bang, bang, bang. Terry, the British guy, is a fucking mess. He barfs. And Mike sees that he's, like, losing it somehow. So he tries to convince Terry to give him his gun. But Terry is a punk-ass bitch. And he tells on Mike. He's like, Daddy, Tony Goldwyn, he wants me to give me my gun. And Tony is like, well, be a fucking grown-ass man and shoot him then. But Leandra hears this like she's there also in line and she's like, holy shit, please, Terry, don't don't Terry, please don't do this. And Terry pulls out his gun. He aims it at the back of Mike's head and (laughs) the lights go out. (laughs) You like my lights going out sound? I love it. I love it. We come with sound effects here at Week Horror. (laughs) (laughs) So downstairs in the basement, Danny found like the power line or the switch or whatever it's called. And she turns the power off and the place goes wild. Everyone is screaming, running, shooting. All the guys with guns are shooting, shooting, shooting. And everybody runs into the stairways. People are running. They are fearing for everything in the basement. An elevator dings open and Roberto is in there and he's like, Danny, get in here, which she does. And they both climb through the top of the elevator and they're standing at the top of it. 
we are mass hysteria. Everybody is still running rampant. Big bearded bub gets ambushed by Mike and Peggy 50 and flirty grabs the knife from big beard's belt and she stabs him right yes, in the heart. I was like, Peggy, bitch. kill this fucker, yes, even though he's d- Dutch, but kill him. Yeah. And uh, in the basement, Vince in HR and a whole group of his employees are just stomping the cute dude that sat across from Danny to death they this are was, stomping him yeah this was uh satisfying i must say yeah the, i was like yes fuck him up just like fuck them up Kill like the stomping it, i mean it's horrible but also yeah. peggy taking that knife to big beardo bub i was like fucking kill this asshole yeah absolutely you know, it's gonna help with the tally you know it's true I mean, if anything, <laughs> if anything. it's true survive this yeah In one of the offices, Leandra finds a paper cutter, which is the scariest piece of office equipment, in my personal opinion. Megan. Uh, And (laughs) I haven't seen. No spoilers, you dicks. That's not a spoiler at all. It's literally in the trailer. But the first thing I thought was like, oh, Megan. (laughs) Does she she pull off a blade from a paper cutter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what Leandra does. She pulls a Megan (laughs) and she fucking pulls uh, the blade off. But Terry comes in and he hears somebody in this office and he's like, get out. I'm trying to I'm hunting you. Pero el PA comes on. You have killed 29 people. You have two minutes remaining to kill one more person. Hiding under a desk, Leandra waits for Terry. She tricks him with a shoe of hers and he sees it and he's like, oh, she's there. And he comes over to the desk. And when he's close enough, she swipes the back of his leg with the paper cutter blade, making him fall and drop his gun. And he starts to crawl to it, but she slices at his hand. And Terry is begging for his life as she stands over him holding that fucking blade. And he and he was like, please, please. I was just doing what I was told, please. Mm-hmm. And she has pity mm-hmm. and drops the blade. But the PA comes back on. You've come up one body short. We're sorry to inform you that 31 additional employees will now be eliminated. And blam, Terry's brain explodes all over the place. And then another and another. And we get a shot of the switchboard from the top of the movie. And a hand is flipping these switches as another employee is killed. And another employee is, is killed. The stoner cafeteria dude, Sean Gunn, he's sitting at the top of the cafeteria looking out at all the tables and he is trying to convince himself that it's all in his mind. But underneath all the tables, one by one, just bursts of blood exploding from underneath from all the people hiding there. This is. That was intense, that one. Dude, it was like, okay, just like tonally, I see how they could have gone for like comedic effect with this, but I didn't find this funny 
at, at all. I all. was like, and especially there's a, there's one point, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, it might be this point where there's like classical music playing on yes. top of it, which mm-hmm. I don't remember which part specifically, but my husband, Matthew plays the viola and he just wanted me to include that it's Tchaikovsky's piano concerto number one. <laughs> I don't know if it's this part, but it's at some point in this fucking movie. At so some just, point guys, some everybody point, look up Tchaikovsky's <laughs> something or other. Tchaikovsky's piano concerto number one. Thank Pero, you, Matthew. That being said, thanks babe. That being said, I was just like, this is really disturbing me. Dark. Because he's just standing there at the top watching gushes of blood yeah. like up and up. It's it's Ugh. nightmarish. It Tor- is horrible. Horrible. Unfortunately, we also see Leota get her brains exploded. Damn. 50 and fir- flirty Peggy no, also no. gets her head exploded and Keith the nerd boom bam head exploded the employees left standing see the carnage all around them tony tony goldwin is in the bathroom for some reason and he turns to see a graffiti that says belco sucks my vag And this is what we mean about this James Gunn script is Mm -hmm. like, this feels weird here to see Mm -hmm. because everything else has felt a little bit extra dramatic and sad and dark. So to have him turn and see Belko sucks my vag doesn't land as well as it could have. Like it, like exactly like it could. Yeah. The PA comes back on. The last stage of the game is simple. In one hour, whoever has killed the most people will be allowed to live. The current tally is as follows. Tony Goldwyn, 11 kills. Wendell, 7 kills. Vince from HR, 1 kill. Danny, 1 kill. Begin. Wendell is in a bathroom with a bunch of other people, he turns on a dime, immediately grabs his cleaver and is just annihilating, the cleaving the shit out of the people in this bathroom. There's guts everywhere on the wall, just like splashes of gross everywhere. It's wild. Horrible. Vince from HR, who's still in the basement after smashing fucking cute guy's head in, turns to see his assistant, Razia, and she's like, please, it's me. And he says, sorry, Razia, and fucking puts a bullet in her fucking head. And And quick, not a thought. Nothing. Out. And then another guy is there, and he turns and shoots that fucking guy, too. Tony Goldwyn is approached by a hot assistant gal mm-hmm, who is like, mm-hmm. here, please, I know what you want. You want my body. Maybe I'll, I can fuck you out of this horrible decision. Oh, boy. And he walks up to her and he's like, it's okay. And he caresses her face and he says, can't waste a bullet and crack like Ooh. head all the way around. This was not great CGI. Not great, but I was still like, still fucked. That's fucked still up. fucked. Her head yeah. is it's, fully cracked around the she, way. Like is offering herself exposes like, her chest. Yeah, this is hideous. Then Tony gets in the elevator, but it's the one that Roberto and Danny are on top of, who they've mm. been hiding up there together mm-hmm. for this whole time. 
And as he's going up, Tony hears them above him and he starts to shoot. Pero la Danny, inteligente, she jumps right off onto a little ledge. Y Roberto stays on top and he tries to jump off, but it's too late. And he tatums himself from scream oh. and gets his body smashed. Dude, I was Fucked. like, Roberto. Roberto. Honey, just stay up there. Just stay up there. Yeah, you would have been fine, probably. I, think, I, I mean, mean, I don't know elevator rules, but I was like jumping off at the last minute like that. Yeah, not Boom smart. Ball. Yeah. But also his body hitting this, like doing this causes the elevator to get stuck. So Tony mm. Goldwyn is in his elevator stuck now. Can't get out. In the lobby, Leandra finds the cafeteria boys pulling out the tracer bombs from the back of people of like the dead people's heads. Mm -hmm. And he's like, if we put them all together and put them over at the wall, maybe we can blow up this fucking metal wall that we have. And they have a good chunk of yeah. them. There's like a solid amount. And Leandra's like, that's a great idea. Love it. I'm going to go to the intercom room really fast. I'm just going to get on the PA and I'm going to call for Mike. It's cool. No probs. <laughs> and I was like, girl, what are you doing? I didn't understand what? this. Yeah. Also, too, you're going to alert everybody as to where you are, honey. Everybody's going to hear this. And even yeah. Sean Gunn says some people out there are real dicks. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you are absolutely right, sir. Yeah. So. She's like, hey, Mike, I'm on the first floor. If you can come find me, please do. And Avi, Mike is alive and he does hear this. And he goes to the stairs where he finds one of the cleaners, Hazel. And he's like, come with me, Hazel. Let's go. Leandra goes to the cafeteria and she finds Wendell just cleavering the shit out of some poor fucking guy. Ugh. She holds out her gun at him and the cafeteria boys are standing behind her. And Wendell turns around. And he's like, no, 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 this is this is wrong. Like, girl, no, I Please. think I can beat Tony Goldwyn's like number. But Leandra's like, I don't want to hear this bullshit. And she shoots. But immediately she runs out of ammo. And the only place she shot him in was basically in the leg. So Leandra and the cafeteria boys jump behind a table that's turned over. And unfortunately, one of the cafeteria boys gets shot in the head while Sean Gunn Stoner Cafeteria is screaming and screaming. Leandra's like, shut the fuck up and push the table. So they push the table towards Wendell. And as they're sliding it across, Wendell is shooting wildly. Cuando eventually, R.I.P. Sean Gunn gets one right through the fucking neck. Oof. Pero la Leandra continua. She is pushing that table, landing on top of Wendell, and she grabs the axe that Sean Gunn was carting around, and my girl wails on him. Uh, it's about fucking time. Head. It's about uh, damn time. Smashing <laughs> it into his head it looks great it looks oh my great. god this was so Brutal. cool like the full practical effects you see the axe entering the face yeah. and i was like <laughs> i was waiting for this yeah. moment thank you so kill much kill this man kill totally. this fucking asshole back in the lobby mike and leandra reunite they are a mess they're both Ugh. crying and holding each other and they're like jesus mary and joseph what the fuck but we see Vincent from HR is in the basement making Molotov cocktails. 
Tony Goldwyn has escaped his stuck elevator. Danny is able to Spider-Man her way across the elevator shaft into the other elevator and climbs in. Mike sees the little tracer bombs on the on the security desk and he pockets them after Leandra tells them tells him what they are. Pero cuando de repente out of nowhere viene el fucking Vince from HR and he <gasps> chucks a Molotov cocktail, hitting Hazel the cleaner who was just Jeez, minding I'm her just fucking business, here. and she oh. is lit ablaze. The poor woman. And Mike and Leandra are like, "What the fuck?" And they run into the stairwell. Pero ahí está el fucking Tony, and Tony starts shooting and shooting, and they run back down into the Molotov cocktail area. They're like literally yeah, between no a choice. rock and a hard. But yeah, what yep. the fuck? Y el Vince tira otro <laughs> fucking Molotov cocktail. Pero blam, Tony, Tony has popped out of the door, and he's shot him right in the heart. Bye, Vince. Adios. You were kind of nice for a really long time, and then you shot enough. your assistant in the head. I can't believe you did that. Fuck you. Bye. Behind the security desk, Mike turns to check on Leandra. But unfortunately, Tony got her when they were in the stairwell. She's mm. been shot. In the elevator, or at the elevator, Danny finds a way inside. Finally, she has like a moment to breathe. And stupidly she presses the down button ding the door the doors open and blam bullet in the head when i tell you that this death pissed me Me so much i I was livid when this happened i so i watched this with matthew and i turned to him and i was like she just went through all of that for this for this that, what an unceremonious death i Truly. honestly feel like they were like oh what should we do with this person oh just fuck it let's just let's just get rid of her i hated this i also hated this i Ugh. hated it so much yeah but oh danny you did everything you could if only i mean we can only wish that you stayed in the tubes and if you yeah. had maybe stayed there then maybe you would have lived who knows Gans Howie. So Mike drags Leandra to a supply closet to hide and he's like reassuring her everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And she's like, I love you. And he tells her he loves her too. But unfortunately, she dies. Tony Goldwyn has followed their blood trail, which I was like, this is kind of impossible in that this whole building is covered in blood. But he (laughs) blood. Everywhere. guts brains everything yeah. like yeah. that todo. but somehow he's like oh that's sure. a trail of blood and he follows it to the office where they're hiding in this supply closet and through the slats mike can see tony goldwyn and when he turns his back mike runs out of the fucking closet thing and gets the fuck out of there and tony is shooting 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 at him and Tony follows him into the other room cuando Mike surprises him by jumping off of a desk and they are fist fighting. <laughs> Pero acordate que el Tony is like yeah, special, special ops, ops or something like that. Sure. <laughs> Entonces Mike is kind of getting his ass handed to him. Yeah. 
And in their fight, they somehow turn on like a Belko like welcome presentation video, mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. saying like Belko trains his employees to face all the challenges and you can find us. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like it's very ironic to have this playing while on these them. two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally, it's like projected onto them. So Tony has Mike in a fucking headlock, but Mike grabs like a, a fucking PA mic. <laughs> wow. So many mics. Mike grabs a PA <laughs> mic and smashes it on Tony's head. Tony crawls to his gun, but Mike has him in a leg he- headlock. I know there's a term for this. I forget it, but leg headlock. And Mike reaches for a weighted tape dispenser and smash on Tony's head. He is hella injured, but not dead yet. You didn't change a damn thing. And Mike says, neither did you. Mm. And Mike lifts up that intense tape dispenser and smashes. Again, another head getting smashed. Looks great. Looks great. Kills the shit out of Tony. And you better use an office supply to... Agreed. I, I love that. I was like, if uh, this is was necessary. If anything, I wanted more office supply murders, and that wasn't really the case. We almost got the paper cutter thing, but paper that, cutter, that sure. didn't really come through. But no. this tape dispenser, thank goodness, at least there was this. Suddenly, all the steel shutters open. The PA voice says, congratulations, Mr. Milch. You are the last remaining employee of Belco Industries. And Mike walks through this carnage, is escorted by the two guards, and they lead him into the mysterious hangar. There, Mike sees who the voice is. And all the TVs and the switchboard, it's all there. And he asks, why? Who are you? And the voice says, we're part of an international organization, and we believe that social scientists must be allowed to study human behavior unfettered by conventional concepts. Okay. And we've learned so much. Oh, my goodness. And Mike is like, what the fuck for, dude? And they're like, we're simply gathering data. Go fuck yourself, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now answer our questions. And he literally does like a, like an evaluation. Like, what is it? I've never worked in that office, but you know, like mm-hmm. when your boss is like, let's do a work evaluation yeah. thing. Um, at this moment, which emotion accurately describes the feelings you're feeling? A, sad. B, relieved. C, confused. And D, and Mike's like, You've been watching us. He sees all the security and he's like, everything we do in there. Well, then if you've been watching me, then you've seen that I picked up all those little bombs you put in our heads. And the voice is like, and where are those explosives now? (laughs) And Mike is like, on you, you piece of shit. And we see his tiny little flashback of him secretly placing each bomb one in a guard one in another guard he kind of gets pushed into the voice at one point so he places a bomb there too now this i was uh, cool cool (laughs) 
cool, cool. But cool. I was like, this is a little bit of a stretch for me, everybody. I, I mean, agree. I like it. It's like for our finale here, I was like, okay, cool. I'm glad, you know, whatever is about to happen is about to happen. But uh, yeah. like the little flashback of him, like put, I was like, okay. All right. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway. Why not? So Mike, after we see him secretly put a bomb into everybody's pocket, he quickly runs up and he turns all the switches on the switchboard that weren't switched yet, exploding all the dudes, like the guards and the fucking voice in the in the fucking hangar. And then he grabs a gun from one of the dead guards and he shoots the rest of the people except the voice who says, Michael, you believe life is sacred. Yes. And Mike doesn't even answer. He just fucking unloads that gun into that fucking dude's face. I mean, why would you even ask that? Ask me that. You clearly don't think life is sacred. Absolutely. You want me to fucking Goodbye. care about your life after you've killed every single one of my fucking coworkers and the Not woman I love? Not for a moment. Bye. Go fuck yourself. So Mike walks out of the hangar. The sun sets. It's quitting time. <laughs> the camera pulls out to reveal a bunch of screens, all of them with a different single final Belco employee covered in blood, having a gun, something like all these screens with a single person at the end of their own experiment. Mm -hmm. A voice says, end stage one, commence stage two. Fin de la película. Listen, great job. You know what? Thanks. I'm not going to lie to you. When I when I watched this again last night, I was like, there are so many people in this film. A lot of people. So many things happening. Different storylines happening at the same time. You did a great job. Thanks, really, dude. really nicely done. <laughs> um, that being said, I... <laughs> so, okay. So this ending, it's like, all right. We've we've established that at Belco Industries, they speak Dutch. They might speak German. They speak They're Spanish. Everywhere. They speak English. We're all over the world. So what we're establishing here is possible part two. Who knows where it's like mm -hmm. now we've gone worldwide, you know, right. and it's like which one of all these people on these TV screens will be the last one alive. That's what's happening here. Yeah. So which, I, you know, it's like. I don't hate the idea. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Clever concept. Uh, sure. Nicely done. Thank Let's you. Let's get into some trivia. Absolutely. Okay, everybody. Let's talk about Adria Arjona. So she mm. played Leandra, Leandra. So I found this from her IMDb. She was born April 25th of 92. Taurus. Taurus. Yeah. She was born in Puerto Rico. So it says here, Accustomed to airplanes and distant countries since she could recall, Adria Arjona was born in Puerto Rico and raised in Mexico City. Falling asleep in Guatemala and waking up in Argentina was not out of norm for her. She is the daughter of a Puerto Rican mother, Leslie, and a Guatemalan father, Ricardo Arjona. Uh -huh. A renowned singer-songwriter in Latin America who took her along on his tours, allowing her to breathe art, music, and a bohemian lifestyle. Look, this was a reveal to me. Doesn't don't your doesn't your brother or your dad love Ricardo Arjona? Probably my brother. I actually was like Ricardo Arjona because the name I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I know who the fuck this is. So I had to I listened to some of the, his music and I was like, holy 
shit. He's like a major dude. M- huge star. And like he his songs are very I mean, not that I know his Roman repertoire, because. but it's very like storytelly. Uh-huh. His songs are like do you do you you recognize some you you know like some of his when music, I saw right? when I heard his name I was like oh yeah honestly the first thing I thought of was like I'm pretty sure Chris it's either Chris or David Atkinson <laughs> love this fucking guy yeah, I think it's like I think it I think it's probably my brother but I you know like I said I looked up his music and I was like I fucking know these songs anyway yeah. so that's incredible well we're not talking about him we're talking about <laughs> Adria. At 12, she moved to Miami and lived there until she was 18 when she took a plunge and made the brave decision to move to New York City on her own. Just like Eileen in 2009, everybody. Oh, my God. 2010? 2010, 2010. (laughs) In order to assure her professional success and personal growth, her father made the tough decision in making sure nothing was secure and easily given to her. While studying to become an actor at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute, Adria worked as a hostess and waitress at several New York restaurants in order to pay her bills and sustain her life. Which I was like, good for you, girl. That's cool, yeah. Little bit of a nepotism here, but making the choice to just be like, I'll pay my own bills. Having had a front row seat to stardom, Adria saw the bigger picture for her career in that fame and fortune does not ameliorate her work and passion. She set out to achieve her goals with a focus on maintaining the pleasure of pursuing what she loves while honing her craft and creating with pride. Listen, this is a great this bio <laughs> little IMDb. I was like, I like this. This is pretty. I, yeah. I bet you she wrote this, you know. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, so she is in Andor. Yeah, she. Um, she's, she's really working. good in Andor. I haven't seen Andor, but like, li- listen, our gal is working. Hella work. She was in the new Father of the Bride with uh-huh. a, a Gloria Estefan, which I have not Andy watched Garcia. yet. Andy fucking Garcia. Like, Hello. I've been meaning to check it out. She was in Morbius, which I heard was a sack of shit, but like, I that's a that big too. time movie. Yeah. She was on Narcos. Like, our our lady is out there Way working. To go, girl. So nicely done. Now let's talk about Melanie Diaz. So this was from Wikipedia. Melanie played a Danny who was, like we said, unceremoniously murdered. Mm-hmm. So it says here she was born April 25th, 1984. Another Taurus. Holy shit. Hey. Same birthday? That's, yeah, same birthday. Nice. So April 25th, 1984, she's an American film and television actress. She was born in New York City and was raised along with her elder sister on the Lower East Side by parents of Puerto Rican descent. Nice. So it says here that she completed a a degree in film production at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and has made numerous off-Broadway and workshop appearances, including, I had to include this, the New York City Fringe Festival, which, by the way, Eileen... (laughs) Had a show. I sure at did. At the fucking New York City Fringe <laughs> Festival. Fabulous show. Um, just had to include that. <laughs> so it says here a little bit more about Melanie. Her breakthrough roles came as Blanca in Catherine Hardwick's Lords of Dogtown 2005 and cool. as Laurie in Dito Montiel's A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints 2006, which earned her an Independent Spirit Award nomination for Best Supporting Female. Pretty cool. Nice. In 2013, she appeared in Fruitvale Station. 
a film based yes. on the shooting of Oscar Grant. The film premiered at the 2013 Sundance Film Festival, where it earned the U.S. Grand Jury Prize. She the played film- um, Michael B. Jordan's partner, like the the oh, wow. basically the wife mm-hmm. of Oscar Grant, or mm-hmm. I think partner of Oscar Grant. Ugh. The f- the film had its international premiere at the 2013 Cannes Film Festival, where it played in the Uncertain Regard. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, section and won the Uncertain Regard Best First <laughs> Film Award. For her work in the movie, she again was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Female. Nice girl. She has expressed a desire to return to Tish in order to complete her degree in filmmaking. Very cool. In February of 2018, Diaz was cast in the lead role of Mel Vera in the CW's fantasy drama series Charmed, a reboot of the 1998 series of the same name. Unfortunately canceled already. Yeah, well... She got cast in it, which is great. We love to be cast. We lo- we do. Uh, and also, <laughs> last little thing about her, it says that she co-starred in the dystopian thriller The First Purge, the prequel to 2013's hey. The Purge. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, I don't remember her from that because we watched all of those too. But yeah, hey, she was in The First Purge. The first movie I ever saw her in was Hamlet 2, which is a fucking hilarious movie. I have not seen that. Yeah, oh my God, mentioned you mentioned that here. I just didn't gotta watch <laughs> Hamlet 2. It is so bonkers. Yeah, so again, our gal is working. So nicely done. Go, girl. Now let's talk about David del Rio. This is our guy who played... Roberto. Roberto, thank you. He was born September 29th of 1987 in Miami, Florida. Libra. 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 So it says here he is a Latinx actor, director, producer, and writer. His professional career began after graduating from the New York Conservatory for the Dramatic Arts when he landed the part of Felix Garcia on Nickelodeon's The Troop. In between seasons, he made his Broadway debut in Lin-Manuel Miranda's hit musical, In the Heights. In the Heights. Very cool. His acting career continued from there with hit films such as Pitch Perfect. Uh, He also clearly was in the Belko Experiment and Netflix's A California Christmas and A California Christmas City Lights. He apparently Mm, was also in Fox's Grease Live. Okay. Sure. Do you know who he played? I don't. I bet you he was a a T-bird. When not in front of the camera, Del Rio digs deep behind the camera, behind the camera, directing feature films, which is very, oh. very cool. He's co-founder of production company Theater Row Productions, along with his producing partner and wife, Catherine Del Rio. He has a passion for helping the younger generation in need, whether it's traveling to Tijuana with friends of El Faro to to volunteer at the children's orphanage or directing demo reels for students at his alma mater. He has a newly discovered passion for travel, road tripping across the United States with his wife and backpacking across Europe. A native Colombian Cuban of Miami, Florida, De Rio now lives in Austin, Texas. Cool. Wow. So... My main question, my last thing of trivia here, was like, why Colombia? Why did you all choose to film this movie in Colombia? So I found this Mm -hmm. article from KFTV.com, which says, U.S. office horror movie filmed in Colombia, written by Nick Goundry, 
March 24th of 2017. So it says here, Colombia was chosen as the filming location partly because producer Pete Safran had industry colleagues who had worked in the country on Netflix projects, which have included the Pablo Escobar drama Narcos. Mm. A seven-hour flight time from L.A. made Bogota a practical location for the Belco experiment. Colombia's formal filming incentive enabling producers to claim a cash rebate of up to 40% of production costs made a local shoot financially viable. Mm. Bogotá-based Itaca Films serviced the shoot. We spent four months searching for locations, says Carolina Saicedo, the film's location manager. The biggest challenge was to find a building with two stories available where we could get all of the special effects done without violating security and building rules. And then right at the end here, it just says, Colombia's filming incentive has become key to boosting the country's international appeal. So it seems here like there's a little bit of both things happening where, you know, McLean producers, etc., where we were like, well, how can we get the you know, best bang for our buck or whatever the saying right. is. Pero también that Colombia was like, please come work here. Mm-hmm. You know, scratch my back and I'll scratch yeah, yours. Exactly. Like we'll make this work together. So I just was like, I just wanted to know why. And yeah. uh, that is my trivia for today. Love it. Let's talk about Silvia de Dios, who played our very intense haircutted woman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Silvia de Dios nació en Bogotá on February 9th, 1966. So she's an Aquarius and she's, I believe, 56 years old. Maybe. Math. I don't know. I didn't do the math. It says here 56. It depends on when this article was written, which, by the way, is from lavangardia.com. She is a Colombian actress and model who made her, t- her debut on television in 1988 in the telenovela Caballo Viejo, but rose to international fame thanks to her role as the evil Lucrecia in the telenovela Café con Aroma de Mujer. Oh. She continued playing villain roles because apparently that's what her her role in Café con Aroma de Mujer was a villain. She continued playing villain roles and appeared in other telenovelas such as Padres y Hijos, Traga Maluca, Y María Madrugada. In 2009, she returned to star in the telenovela Verano en Venecia alongside the Cuban actor Abel Rodríguez. She has not starred in a soap opera since she replaced Marcela Carvajal in De Pies a Cabeza. But recently, she appeared in the telenovela of RCN, which I think is a Colombian channel, La Traicionera. Oh, she's also been a model and she's worked with uh, diversas marcas, which I I love that like um, labels. <laughs> I don't know why I mis pantalones de marca. I don't know why that oh. tickles me. So like I yeah. mis zapatos de marca. De marca. Pero, mm-hmm. <laughs> pero she's worked with different brands like Revlon, Trinity and Jeans and Yves Saint Laurent. So oh. excuse me, ma'am. Let's talk about now. Now let's talk about the Milgram experiment. Oh, okay. This is um, from Wikipedia. 
The Milgram experiment on obedience to authority figures were a series of social psychology experiments conducted by Yale University psychologist Stanley Milgram. They measured the willingness of study participants, 40 men in the age range of 20 to 50, from a diverse range of occupations with varying levels of education, to obey an authority figure who instructed them to perform acts conflicting with their personal conscience. Participants were led to believe that they were assisting an unrelated experiment in which they had to administer electric shocks to a quote learner these fake electric shocks gradually increased to levels that would have been fatal had (gasps) they been real oh my god oh my god the experiment found unexpectedly that a very high proportion of subjects would fully obey the instructions with every participant going up to 300 volts and 65% going up to the full 450 volts. The experiments began on August 7th, 1961, after the grant proposal was approved, in the basement of Lindsley Chittenden Hall in Yale University. Three months after the start of the trial of German Nazi war criminal Adolf Eichmann in Jerusalem. Jeez. Ugh. Milgram devised his psychological study to explain the psychology of genocide and answer the popular contemporary question, quote, could it be that Eichmann and his million accomplices in the Holocaust were just following orders? Could we call them all accomplices? The experiment was repeated many times around the globe with fairly consistent results. Well, that freaks terrifying. me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a little bit about Milgram experiment, which I thought was really interesting because I was like, has this happened before or what? Like, I mean, mm. I know that it's kind of based on battle royale, which is just fight amongst Free your peers. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that that's an actual thing is wild. It's a terrifying idea. Now let's talk about HollywoodReporter.com article. Belko experiment. Why shooting in Columbia was as wild after hours as on set. Written by Aaron Couch on March 17th, 2017. And the subtitle says, The cast of James Gunn produced movie recall partying until the wee hours of the morning in Bogota. Nights out were full of food and dancing with the cast of American actors rolling 20 deep as they take over local haunts, which I don't know why, but that kind of lands funky in my body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you're you're at a bar and they're like, look at all these fucking people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to chill here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying <laughs> to enjoy my Colombian beer. Thanks. Thank you. In 2007, Gunn was set to helm Belco experiment in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mm. But he was going through a divorce from the office actress Jenna Fisher, and Whoa. the timing just wasn't right. I was like, what? I, I had to Google that a whole thing later. Holy shit. It's wild, yeah. Is that Pam? Pam, yeah. Oh, wow. 
Quote, I didn't feel like going out of the country and shooting this dark movie about people shooting each other and killing each other when I was kind of in an emotionally and spiritually corrupt place, Gunn told Heat Vision in December at an office-themed trailer launch party for Belco for the Belco experiment. Michael Rooker, who shot the film before donning the blue makeup once again to play Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, insisted that though the cast partook in plenty of salsa dancing during Nights Out, he was there for the food. When asked what some of the advantage of shooting in Colombia were, the actor answered quickly, Pretty girls, man. Which I was like, Michael Rooker, Mm, come on. But also a lot of good food and good beverages to drink. Pretty girls, man. (laughs) Australian Helmer Greg McLean says, quote, they'd all come to set. You guys look really tired. What's going on? And then they'd go, oh, nothing, nothing. And I'd see on their Instagram all these party shots of them drinking and partying. McLean said with a laugh. I'm going, what time did you get to bed last night? Oh, I don't know. Two, three, four a.m. Jesus. Oh my God. He didn't partake in a lot of the fun, but he learned something quite valuable about one of his leading men one night. Quote, I did go out one night and realized that Tony Goldwyn is one of the best dancers I've seen in my life. Oh, like a John Travolta, like clear oh. the dance floor type of dancer. Oh my God. Just said McLean. It. Can you imagine? I would give a million dollars to dance with fucking Tony oh, fucking man. Goldwyn. Oh, yep. <laughs> that's the end of my trivia. <laughs> Uh, may I add something to your trivia that I think you're of really course. going to appreciate? Oh my god! Because I j- I just found this out. Because Silvia de Dios, that's her name, right? Correcto. I was like, I've seen this woman before. Is she this in the vientre? Face, no, unless I could fuck that up. Pero uh-huh. around that, so okay, vientre was way back in the day for y us. Yes, Peru también. That one's Peru. She, I just looked this up right now because I was like, tell me what fucking movie she was in. I have to put it together. She's, I know we've had her here before. I see. She did seem very familiar right? to me. I'm so excited. Yes. Yeah. So th- we covered this one a long time ago. So I can't remember which character she was, but she was in <laughs> Al Final del, ex- del Espectro. Remember that like super tulipan? Yes, remember yes, yes, yes. Yeah, tulipan. Like we, this was back in the day, honestly. Um, and of, of wiki horror, at least. And the 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 version that we found, I'm pretty sure we found garbage. it on like Facebook. It was yeah. so grainy. Bad. But I think that's where I recognize this actress fun, from. So just to add to your... Trivia. Silvia de Dios. Silvia de Dios played Carmen in Al Final del Espectro, which we we enjoyed. Yeah, it wasn't a bad one. It was was just a bad quality. Yeah. Anyway, uh, love your trivia. You want to answer some questions for me? Let's do it. Eileen, were you scared? Yeah, I guess. I'm not going to, not going to beat around the bush i there was some very unnerving like uh, humans are the monsters quote unquote kind of vibes yeah i'd say yes and you yes i said absolutely yes i was scared 
What was your best scare? I'm going to say I kind of want to give it to the extinguisher coming out of nowhere in the stairwell, Mm -hmm. hitting Mike in the head. But I'm going to say it's the first head exploding. When that girl's head fucking exploded on the roof, I was like, whoa, 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 what the hell? So I'm going to give it to that. That's I I gave it to that one as well. It was the most shocking to me. But I'm just going to say in general, like this concept, it was very frightening in general to me. Yeah. Yeah. But that first head explosion will definitely take it. Who was your favorite character? I guess I'm going to give it to Evan because mm-hmm. Evan was really like, I'm just trying to do my job, dog. And like and making he, smart choices too, and making smart choices. And he was I just really appreciated also when he was like, I got you. I'm here hanging out. Like, don't worry about you guys chatting in the stairwell. I'll be mm-hmm. I'll protect you. So I'll give it to Evan. Yeah, I also gave it to Evan, but I have three favorite characters. Whoa, um, random. There were so many people in this fucking movie. So I mean, literally, how eighty four, five, six people? There were so many people. So many. But for me, it was Evan, and then I had just had to give a shout out to Rusty, uh, whose actually name was Peggy Flirty over (laughs) fifty. But I also just wanted to give it to to Danny too, which I was just I was so upset that she was again just like oft at the end like that but i that was a bummer i liked following her story like just kind of in the background so i'll give it to those i really three. was pulling for her me too totally what was your best line is your little brother made out of your sperm cocksucker jesus <laughs> but i'm also Damn. gonna give it to our to our thesis statement normal people don't work at belco that was mine. Oof. Yeah. Fits. What was your best death? I have two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to Bud Michael Rooker just because I was so shocked by how impactful not having blood in that wound. Mm. Like I that just surprised me so much at how like ooh it just was so that was a rough one. Yeah. And then as satisfying as Leandra axing what's his fuck in the face was, I'm going to give it to the people's heads exploding under the Ooh. cafeteria tables because mm-hmm. it was just like, bam, bam, bam. And you don't really see anything. You just see blood spurting. And it was I don't know. It just felt so like. Visually, it looked cool because it was very two lines of tables it was very like uh, visually um symmetrical which Mm -hmm. i appreciate and i don't know that felt particularly brutal so i'm gonna give it to those two i gave it to leandra axe in that face (laughs) i just loved it fuck that guy up yeah fuck that guy did you learn anything about the culture not really no not at all not no (laughs) not really that kind of movie yeah (laughs) and finally how many ooies do you give this movie i'm gonna give it three i uh i genuinely was like there's some good kills in here i don't it makes me feel weird when humans turn on each other and like i don't like this not that I don't like it within this movie, but I just like the feeling of having this overlord being like, I have the power over you and the, your consequences are so deep that you literally will lose your life 
I don't know. That feels so it feels very real. Yeah. And that's very scary, which I appreciate in this film. I do think like the direction and the script had trouble melding together uh the humor in the script and whatever the director's vision was was just not too m- meshy but the performances were fine and again good practical kills and stuff like that and so yeah I'd say 3 uis on my behalf. Itu? I also gave it 3 uis. Really cool practical effects here. It actually scared me. It freaked me out. Um, I found characters to root for here, which is not easy yeah. because e- even going in, you're like, well, everybody's going to. And, you know, like everybody dies. Everybody. Minus one person who how this movie ends will probably end up dying, too, by the way. Uh, like I said before, like tonally it was kind of off like we spoke about but i thought it was you know it's got its issues but for the most part i thought it was pretty good so i'll give it three ooies. nice yeah well guys let's get out of this uh building because i'm covered in blood and guts and i need to take a shower the shutters come down run we're out of here. Thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate every single one of you. You're the best around. Uh, please remember to <laughs> subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> um, uh, please remember to follow us on our redes sociales at Uyquerror on Instagram and Twitter. You can find... Oh, we're also on TikTok now, or yes. at least trying to be better about TikTok. Yeah. We're also at Uyquerror there. Uh, send us an email at uikiorror at gmail.com again with all your thesis uh, papers that you want to deliver. We appreciate it. You can find every one of our movies on our link tree, linktr.ee slash Thank you to Sonoro for being the disembodied voice that leads us to nice things, not murderous things. Let's hope. <laughs> you can follow them in their redes sociales at Sonoro Podcast. And Johnny, if you and I are ever stuck in a fucking building with a fucking disembodied voice telling us to murder each other, I'm not murdering you. No, let's hide in the tubes. We're hiding in the tubes no matter what. Yeah, hide in the tubes. They're going to have to blow, just explore our brains, I guess. Explored our brains. Explored them. <laughs> explored them and we'll be fine. I'd much prefer our brains to be explored. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> this wow, this is bleak. <laughs> bleak as hell, but I fucking love you, my dude. I fucking love you too. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adiós. Adiós. Uy, qué horror. Es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy, qué horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adios. Adios. Sonoro. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.